0: Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. Um, I have an awesome episode in store for you and I'm gonna get right to it today. Uh, Our guest, BD Deutsch is a champion distance runner and her story is truly amazing. After getting married at 19, yes, 19, And having five children in her 20s, she realized she had lost the natural fitness of her youth, as we all realize at some point that we actually have to work for it. So she decided she was going to get herself in shape. And she set her sights on a marathon because it would be a big enough goal to keep her motivated and make her train for it. (laughs) So yeah, she jumped right in. That gives you a little glimpse into who she is. BD ran her first marathon surprisingly fast in three hours and 27 minutes, and it was fun. So two years and one child later, so that would be her fifth, she won her first marathon in 309, and just a year after that, in earlier in 2019, she surprised everyone by winning the National Marathon Championships in Israel. In 242, the fifth best result of all time for Israeli women. Amazing, right? All of that. Incredible. I mean, who else wants to PR by 27 minutes? Most of us are like happy to get 30 seconds. But here's another cool twist. So, Beatty is an Orthodox Jew. And I was not familiar with this religion or faith, you know, to. I was familiar with it, but I didn't know a lot of details. So prior to this interview, um, I was really looking forward to interviewing her because I could really have a chance to learn and understand another culture. Basically, her faith anchors her guiding principles, one of which is that she's required to dress modestly. And that means covering her body below the knee and through the elbows. We all know as athletes that... We're looking to shave off seconds half the time. So we're seeking every possible advantage. And that usually includes wearing streamlined clothing, especially at the highest level of elite um, athleticism. So here's the deal on Beatty she wears long skirts through the knees and full length sleeves when she's training and racing. And it doesn't hold her back. In fact, she considers her faith to be her advantage. And as I say this, as I'm recording this podcast introduction, Beatty is actually recovering from her first ever 10K on the track, which she finished in 3515, the sixth fastest time in history for Israeli women. It was their national 10K championship. So be sure to check out Beatty on Instagram at marathonmother. And give her a little shout out because she rocked it. Uh, before we dive into the interview, I was thinking about how appropriate it is to talk about skirt sports today because Beatty is a skirt wearer. I did send her some of our longer styles, which I hope are long enough to cover her knees, um, but they didn't make it over to Israel yet for her to try on. So I'm gonna, I'll keep you posted in case they work. How cool would that be? In the meantime, you can use the special podcast code RUN20 for 20% off at skirtsports.com. Our spring styles are absolutely insane. We actually just uh, put together a national email that's coming out in a few days that uh, that's called Meet Our Founder. Me. Ha and, ha. Uh, and it was fun because I got to highlight some of my faves. So when I was working on that list, I realized that while I do have some go-to items that I truly don't have any, I would never wear styles, right? We all have styles we would never wear, but I really don't with skirt sports. I really truly would wear it all. I just wear some things more than others. But if I had to choose, I'd probably wear the swimwear all day. And it's really funny. I actually put on our new swim skirt and tankini to chaperone Wilder at a pool party. And on the way, I ran into the grocery store for a little caffeine in my swimsuit. But the cool thing is that no one could tell it was a swimsuit. Okay. You got that? How cool is that? So, uh, jot down that code run 20 and get over to skirt sports soon. All right. I think we're warmed up now. It's time to get BD on the show. All right, BD. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We've, we're we on our like take five. There's always technical difficulties, especially when you live in a different country and you're trying to sync up both time zones and technology. So I really appreciate it because you are such a busy woman. I love it.
1: Just a little bit, you know, trying to train for the Olympics, work full time and raise five kids and maybe record some podcasts in there. Um, yeah, and we're going to
0: cover all of those topics today. And uh, you're doing things a little bit differently than most people. When we first connected today, you were on your way home from the pool. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's already transitioning into the world of triathlon. But it turns out um, you, were, you were in the pool for a different reason. Let, let's talk about that.
1: So I'm just doing some cross training now. Um, I had a minor injury to my foot and I decided to challenge myself and see how I could use it as an opportunity to get stronger. So I've added in swimming as a way to keep working out without having any extra impact on my body. And um, I'm back to running again, but I'm keeping up with the swimming. So we'll see how it impacts my next race.
0: Oh my gosh. So tell me about like swimming for you. Are you natural in the water? Are you like a sinker or a floater?
1: (laughs) Actually, so I do, when I do aqua jogging, I have to wear a vest because I always like, I don't float well. Um, but, um, I like swimming and, um, you know, it's not something that I enjoy as much as, as much as running, but I think that it's good to to push ourselves out of our comfort zones, and it develops muscles in a way that you don't always get with running. So I've been enjoying the challenge.
0: Well, that's true. You know, I I grew up a swimmer and became a runner in my lifetime, I guess. But um, I feel like swimming is a sport that you gravitate to also the older you get because it's so good on your joints.
1: Exactly, Yeah. The pool I go to is like, I joke, it's like full of grandmoms and I can't really handle it when I'm swimming because they don't swim so fast. But when I'm aqua jogging, it works. Um, oh, that is so
0: <laughs> funny. I know, of course, like they really don't know how to circle swim and they really don't care because they're like, I'm old. I've earned it. I get to do what I want in the pool. And in
1: Israel, it's a lot worse, I would say. Uh,
0: really? Why?
1: Just like people don't really know how to swim at all. That's it's Okay.
0: it's not the attitude it's just the skill level
1: (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah
0: (laughs) so okay well let's talk about your running so your injury you're healed up
1: um I'm not like a hundred percent but it's really thank god doing a lot better and I'm being very optimistic that this is my first week back to like regular full like training and I hope it's gonna go well I ran yesterday, I ran this morning. I'm going to be doing a workout tomorrow, so I'm just, you know, praying that everything continues to feel good.
0: You know, you're such a unique person. I mean, in in so many ways, but one of them is that you found running a little bit later, like in your mid to late 20s, right? Yes. And then you and then you like rose to the top of you know, the cream of the crop here very quickly. I mean it was like a meteor meteorological rise, you know, to greatness. <laughs> and kind
1: of crazy. It,
0: it is crazy. And so maybe um how old are you now? I'm twenty nine, actually. You're twenty-nine. And it was only within gosh, three years of starting running that you'd already gotten your marathon time down to a, a two forty two, right? Yes. All right. So let's let's talk about this a little bit. Um, I'm actually not quite sure where to start because I jumped right into your running, but there's so much more about your background I want to hit on. But uh, I want to go with it. Let's go with this thread. So, so when did you pick up running and why?
1: Um, so I picked up running, uh, it's about three and a half years now. Um, in October of 2015, I decided to train for a marathon and i had not exercised for 6 years during which i had 4 kids thank god and i was really um feeling out of shape and basically what made me realize how badly out of shape i was was my family would always have races on the beach we i'm the oldest of 5 and i used to be the fastest and that That summer when we had the race, it was just like a, you know, a hundred meter dash or something, but I came in dead last and I was huffing and puffing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so out of shape. Like I must do something. But then it took me a couple of months till I figured out what I wanted. And I just, I like made a grand announcement to my husband after I had supported him doing a big uh, charity bike ride. He rode 180 miles and raised money for a a charity. And then I said to him like, okay, that's it. I'm going to run a marathon. And it was crazy because I honestly, I hadn't run any distance before. Like I hadn't done any five Ks or 10 Ks or half marathons. And I just was like, I want to run a marathon. <laughs> um, but I gave myself four months to train for it. And I, I really looked on, I just looked online for training plans. I found Hal Higdon's basic training plan Um And the main thing that I wanted in my life, the reason I chose a marathon as the distance was because I wanted consistency in in exercise like I wasn't doing anything consistently, like, until that point, there had been periods where like, okay, I'd say I was going to go for a run, like I had gotten out for a run, but like, then a day later, I wouldn't be doing it or like, I just found it so hard to make time for exercise. And I knew that there is no possible way to show up to the start line of a marathon without putting in the training. So I knew that this was going to make me uh, stay, get committed to training. And it really worked. Um, wow. And I have and, not looked back.
0: <laughs> and I love that you started with a marathon and not a 5K. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I no, think I, that
0: I, also speaks yeah. to your personality and um, that you seem to be a real all in kind of woman. Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, five kids, that's all in. Starting out with a marathon, that's all in. Totally. You know, doing it against like the odds of what some may say are like um, some clothing restrictions or rules or whatever. That's all in. Like yeah. you're just all in no matter what anybody says. And I love that about you. But, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm definitely um, let's uh. I want to ask a little bit, you said, um, by the time you were 26, you already had four kids. Is this correct.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't do roughly. That okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> give or take a year.
0: <laughs> um, and you mentioned, you know, your husband and he was a cyclist. So did you get married really young?
1: Yes. I got married at 19.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we got to <laughs> talk about in my that.
1: Community, so it wasn't like, oh, sh-, you know, it's, it's. Pretty much like a lot of my friends got married around that age or 20, you know.
0: And so it was a cultural thing that you get married young?
1: Yeah, there's a lot, a very big emphasis on value and value in raising a family and people. And also marriage is considered a very uh, holy, spiritual thing. Um, you, You know, you're not considered whole or complete until you are connected with your soulmate. And it's just part of the culture. Like girls in my high school know, you know, you know that you go to Israel for the year you study and then you come back and you're going to get married. Like it's it's part of the process,
0: I guess. Wow. Okay. So we haven't mentioned yet your background and your religion and that you practice Orthodox Judaism. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Um so I grew up I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish community my whole life. My parents were um were Jewish but they actually became more religious when I was a baby. Like they did not grow up Orthodox, but they chose to become more observant. Um and I always was really grateful for having like the connection, the community. Um Judaism is a huge part of my life. I'm really passionate about it. Um and part of my The work that I do now is also being is sharing Judaism with other Jews who don't necessarily have the same knowledge and background that I have. And I help many students from all over the United States come to Israel to experience both the land of Israel and also a connection to their Jewish heritage. Um,
0: So let's talk. So a lot of people may not really understand, like you mentioned that your parents grew up Jewish, but then they got more serious. So what's the difference? You know, what what does the word orthodox represent?
1: It represents a commitment to um, observing all the commandments in the Torah and that the like the Torah and God being the source and central like focus of your life.
0: Got it. Okay. So
1: the Torah is the Bible, sorry, I just realized I was using a Hebrew word. <laughs>
0: well, and that, thank you for that too. I mean, I think, you know, part of this is like, let's get a little education because, um, you know, I think, I do think that people can have different, you know, biases if they see someone who dresses a certain way or speaks a certain language or whatever. And so it's really interesting important, I think, to me to be able to allow people to understand the beliefs that are behind yeah. some of those things that they see. So um, like, so I understand what I'm hearing, I guess, is uh, it's like saying that the foundation for who you are or how you act is based on your commitment to, like you said, observing all the commandments of the Torah. And so, what does that actually mean? Like, what are these commandments?
1: Well, there are six hundred thirteen commandments in the.
0: <laughs> Let's not go over all no, of them. No, Let's pick. A a
1: few. <laughs> but I would. Let's <laughs> summarize. Yeah, no, I would definitely not planning on all of them. We have we keep the Sabbath fully to a degree of like, no, no technology, no, um, no creative activity to a certain extent. It's a very special day. For the jewish community every week like them also in terms of food like you got like it's like thanksgiving every week um because <laughs> there's no cooking on the sabbath either um we dress modestly uh, we have um and we keep certain dietary laws kosher um and there's a lot of emphasis on t- on the study of the bible and um you know, spend a lot of time doing that. And there's prayer. Um, But at the same time, I would say, you know, part of you can be a fully observant religious Jew committed to, you know, your relationship with God and the, the Torah, but also be completely integrated into everyday world and be pursuing, you know, such things like, you know, trying to trying to represent Israel in the Olympics like I'm doing, you know, or race it or running seriously or whatever it is. There's, there's not really a limit to what you can do.
0: I love that. Um, so when you were growing up as a kid in New Jersey, practicing, um, Orthodox Judaism, were you like, what did that look like? Were you doing sports or um, were you spending more time, like doing things with your family?
1: So I was always athletic. I loved sports. I would say there's things have improved. But when I was a a girl, I actually started out doing gymnastics. And then I had to stop once I was 12 because there was no modest way to do it. And um, they didn't have any all girls gyms at the time where I lived. So I ended up switching to taekwondo because I found a girls taekwondo class. And I actually got my black belt in Taekwondo, but I was always a little bit more out of the box, I guess, kind of doing my own thing with sports. And my high school didn't have any, any like, you know, athletic clubs or like people asked me, did you do track? Like I've never, I never ran in high school, you know, we didn't have that.
0: (laughs) That's so interesting because you know, basically there were barriers for you early on. And they, it sounds like they had to do with dress. Like it had to do with what you're required to wear to do a certain sport. And yeah. here's, here's what's cool from what you just said is like, you've been called to sport your whole life. It sounds like, and you just had to pivot and, find the sport that you could do that still fit within sort of the requirements of your religious beliefs.
1: A hundred percent. And that's what I love about running because it's so it's, it's such an individual sport and you can do it on your terms and you can do it the way you, and you can, it's not an issue with how you dress and you don't have to, it's just works really well (laughs) for me.
0: You know, and, and it, when you become a runner at your level, it's your life's, it becomes one of your biggest priorities. Like, you know, you're going to get your workouts in Yeah. whatever they are to supplement your running life. Right.
1: Yeah. It's gone more. I mean, like I ramped up a lot in the last year. I initially, like I said, I started running just to, to get back in shape and feel good about myself and, And, and it still does that for me. And I love, and I want to, I always want to enjoy running. I don't want it to become something that feels forced or that I have to do, but I've now that I have more serious goals, there's definitely a lot of parts of my life that have, you know, uh, changed as a result in a certain way, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I'm kind of my head spinning a little bit around like, women's rights and women's ability to do the things you want to do. And I I have no idea the answer to this question, but do Orthodox Jewish men also have like limitations in the clothing they wear? So they also struggle to find sport if they're called to sport? Like, do they have the same issues that you had?
1: They don't have the same limitations with clothing per se. They don't have like they don't have the same laws of modesty, but there are limitations that could come up. There are there could be restrictions with sport. I know I know an Orthodox Jewish basketball player who was recruited to Maryland high to college, but he couldn't play on their team because he couldn't play on the Sabbath, and there were too many games that he would have missed out on. So, like those kind of uh, things yes. come up, and you know. Um, yeah, there, there's, there are always little challenges that you have to, you know, prioritize your values over. And it's not the exact same thing. The dress for women with sports is definitely, I would say more, more of a challenge than for men.
0: Yep. Okay. So you met your, so, okay, wait, I want to go to, this is always the fun stuff, the relationships, right? (laughs) So you graduate high school and you know, you know, inside of you, there's an athlete, but clearly like that's not your intention or purpose at that point in your life. So why do you go to Israel right after high school?
1: Um, that's is coming to Israel was an opportunity to really like delve into Judaism and personal growth. Like, it's it's pretty much ex- the norm that all girls and guys spend a year in Israel after high school, um, developing their themselves and giving themselves like a really strong foundation before you move on to like the next part of your life. Um, and it's it's an amazing opportunity. Like I.
0: Tell me about um, Israel. I mean, everybody who's listening is going to be following you on Instagram. I've seen the most beautiful photos. Is um, are you like considered weird out running on the streets, or is sport um, part of the culture there? No,
1: but actually, Israel has one of the highest percentage of runners, like running. Um, you know, population that runs compared to Europe, like about like 75. I don't know. They have a really high. I heard this from Nike who's, who sponsors me in Israel, like maybe like 75%. It doesn't, it seemed really high to me, but um, no, it's, it. it's really like the culture running culture here is amazing. Um, In Jerusalem, it's less so than in Tel Aviv. I live in Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, like sports is like religion there. (laughs) But in Jerusalem, it's you know I'm I'm I don't I don't always run in my neighborhood. In some of the neighborhoods, they're more like religious, and it's not so accepted to run in the actual neighborhood. But there's a lot of really beautiful like other places that I have to run, so I don't feel like it's a a problem. Like I have my spots that I love running. I go every and I actually go early in the morning from my house. I go at like. 5am and i get to see the sunrise over the city and i can run all the way down to jaffa gate and like it's amazing i love it
0: wow i mean i did read that you do have to get up at 5am or you won't get a run in because of all the little kiddos yeah yeah that's
1: that's how it works i mean
0: i yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it so so let's um so you
1: became did you become a dual citizen yes i do have dual citizenship I made, I made, it's yeah. called making Aliyah. Like I became a citizen of Israel in 2009.
0: Oh, yeah. wow, cool. Okay, so you went in, you said 2008. So the next year, you're a citizen. Did you meet your husband over there?
1: Yes, I met my husband in Israel. Actually, a cute story. His sister was my dorm counselor the year that I was studying in Israel. So she, uh, introduced us the following year.
0: And he, was he always already a cyclist?
1: Um, so I wouldn't say he was a cyclist then, but he was like also sporty and he had a bike, but like, we both joke about it. Cause like now he's much more, he's much more of a cyclist now. And back then he would like ride, but it was a lot more casual, you know?
0: Okay. So was he a student too? Is he like um, roughly your age?
1: He was he was studying and it's called for for boys it's called yeshiva. It's basically studying like Talmud, Jewish texts, like all day. So that's what he was doing.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> and oh wow! Okay, so you guys hit it off right away.
1: Um. Yeah. Thank God. We so we also have like a more I guess focused like dating process, but so we we didn't date for that long. We dated for like a month, but yeah the connection was there right away. And, um,
0: Oh my gosh, you only, you dated for a month. So tell me what is the focus dating process? Like, is it, I and mean, if you don't want to share, you don't have to, but I'm just really girl. curious.
1: Well, I, I, like I said, I, I worked on a college campus for two years with Jewish students who really didn't know so much about like, you know, Judaism. So I, I've been, I'm used to sharing my experiences, these type of things. So basically, because um, because you it, the idea is that you know we view the purpose of dating is more to get to know a potential you know soulmate rather than just like hanging out having fun. So like every date is you're clarifying like is this person going to be the right match for me? Will this like make a good partner for me in marriage? Is this someone? that I could see myself giving to and sharing my life with? And do we have the same values? And, and if it's not working out, then like, if you, if you, if you go on a date and you see, okay, these, this doesn't match up or there's no chemistry, or then you can just tell your matchmaker, like, okay, because there's also a, it starts out, usually you have a matchmaker who like is the in-between initially. And then you can say, okay, this didn't work out for me. And there's no hard feelings. And both people, like, you you, you end the dating process, and then you'll get set up with someone else, you know? So it's kind of designed to be really focused on helping you find someone for marriage versus just, like, going out and having a good time. Because in general, um, men and women don't really uh, spend time, like, together until marriage. Like there's not, there's not a lot of mingling between genders, I would say.
0: Yep. Okay, cool. And, and it's so lucky that you found him very young.
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky. And I know, I mean, I speak to a lot of girls who just like the, the relation, the dating world today and the way people, people are struggling to, to, build real world relationships and you know I know so many girls who like just they want a stable guy who's going to take care of them and provide or whatever who can have a nice relationship with and it's not so easy to find so I'm lucky. Well, and
0: and to build a family
1: with. Yeah. And yeah. so
0: you mentioned earlier that you know having nurturing a family and family is just really really important having children and and having that that family unit you know, early is important. So you started having babies. Yeah. At what, 20 years old? Yeah, 21?
1: This was born when I was 20.
0: <laughs> oh wow. That is just insane. How um, you know, as an athlete now and after five kids, like tell me about your pregnancies. Were they easy pregnancies? Did you embrace them or were they always like, oh, just like tough?
1: No, I, thank God, I think I had pretty good pregnancies. I'm also a very easygoing kind of person. But um, my best pregnancy was for sure my, my, fifth, my fifth baby was the one I ran. I ran a marathon seven months pregnant. Um, <laughs> and that was with my fifth child. And that was my pregnancy that I felt the best for sure. And the labor was the smoothest and, the, and recovery was the best. So I highly recommend exercising during pregnancy. I did not do so much exercise with all my other kids.
0: (laughs) Wow, you could be a case study for exercising through pregnancy because there's not a lot of information out there. Yeah, people
1: get so nervous and it's really, actually really beneficial. Like you don't have to run a marathon. I agree that was extreme, but you definitely should be moving your body. You'll feel a lot better. But it's so easy when you're pregnant, you're always tired. So most people just go to the place of like, oh, I'm exhausted and and my body needs to rest and and it does but it also needs to move you know
0: <laughs> yep absolutely and did you recover faster from that pregnancy I too felt like
1: it, yeah I was I really felt really good I after she was born I actually said in the delivery room I was like I'm ready to run a marathon
0: <laughs> after oh my
1: yeah, god <laughs> i thought I was <sighs> nuts. I am nuts. Oh, that
0: is so awesome! So, um, so how was it when you ran your marathon at seven months? Which marathon was it?
1: It was also the Tel Aviv Marathon, which is which is the marathon I ran the first time around, my first marathon. Um,
0: Yes. Okay. Let's go to this because how? Let's let's do a little quick uh, audit on your children. (laughs) How old? What are their ages? Um, My
1: oldest is just turned nine, and then she's in third grade. And then I have another girl who's turning eight and she's actually in first grade. She, she uh, did two years of kindergarten, but she's in first grade. And then I have a son who's, who's six. He's also in first grade, but they're separate school. So it doesn't really affect them. And then I have a four year old boy and I have an almost two year old girl.
0: Oh, wow. What a beautiful little group. I have seen pictures and they are gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. um, so you started running after your second boy was born. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: He was like nine months when I started running.
0: So nine months when you did the hundred meter dash and got your butt kicked. No, no, he was
1: younger. <laughs> he was actually younger when I, I started like training when he was in, in October, but he, yeah. And it was about a year when I started training, I guess.
0: Okay, so let's go back to this first epic marathon where you just say, like, you just make this declaration, I'm doing a marathon, you know, out of the blue. Um, how fast did you go?
1: Okay, this is, an, uh, this is actually an amazing story. So I signed up for that marathon, um, and my husband asked me, okay, how long do you think it's going to take you? And I said, he's like, do you think you can do it in four and a half hours? And I was like, oh my gosh, four and a half hours, I did the math, 26.2 miles, that's 10 minutes per mile. No, no, I'm like, no way. So he's like, fine, I'll put down 440. He was like humoring me. And then (laughs) about a month before the marathon, after I'd been training for three months, he said to me like, hey, you don't want to just, you know, cross the finish line of the marathon. You want to know when you cross the marathon that like you gave it your all, you did the best time possible. And I was like, "Um, I think I think running a marathon is a pretty big deal for me. You know, I'll be happy if I actually cross the finish line because I hadn't done anything until that point, you know. So but he nudged me and he was like, no, I'm telling you, he knew I'm competitive. So he said, why don't you go and do a half marathon yourself and see what kind of time you can do? And then based on that, we'll predict what what time you should be able to do for the marathon. So I, I said, fine, you always, and I feel like he was really supportive of it and his pushing me really made a huge difference in his uh, encouragement. So I went to do a half marathon, literally in like a local park of mine. I just ran 12 laps around the park and I had no expectation because I hadn't been like looking at my pace or anything until that point. I didn't really know what to expect. And I ended up finishing that half marathon that I did in an hour and 41 minutes So my husband told me, based on that, that I should be able to do three and a half hours in the marathon. And I remember I was like, "You're nuts! Like three and a half hours? There's no way." I had never done any, uh, like I'd never done the distance in my life—26.2 miles—and I'd never even done that pace. Like that's an eight-minute mile. So it seemed crazy, but he really, he really believed in me, and. And uh, I decided to, you know, take that chance and push myself out of my comfort zone. And we made up a plan that I was going to get progressively faster every mile. I wanted to make sure I didn't go too fast in the beginning and that I would feel good by the end. So, like, literally, my husband set my watch; it would beep if I went too fast or too slow. And every mile, I was going to get just like a little bit faster, and then overall average an eight-minute mile. And I, and I always tell people this, like you know, running with negative splits is, is, it makes a huge difference. So I, I started out that <laughs> my first marathon ever, like literally didn't know a soul. Um, I, and I was just running on my own. My, my eyes are glued to my watch, making sure I'm on pace. And thank God I was feeling very good. And by the second half, I was like, okay, if I feel good, I can go like a little bit faster. And I let myself go just to drop faster every, every, every mile. And my kids were waiting for me like five minutes to the five miles to the finish line. And my husband ran the last five miles with me. And I crossed the finish line of the first marathon I ever ran in three hours and 27 minutes. Um,
0: I I did a BQ
1: time before I even knew what that was. (laughs) (laughs) It's so amazing. Um, Honestly, I, I always say like, you don't push yourself out of your comfort zone, you'll never know. If I hadn't taken that risk, it was a huge risk. I was like terrified. I thought it was crazy. And if I hadn't done it, I, I wouldn't be talking with you today because I never would have realized, yes, I do. Ha- it's not normal to run your first marathon in that time. And I would attribute, I, I definitely have a gift in running, but, and and it's from God. It's not, you know, but I, I wouldn't have uncovered that if I hadn't pushed myself to do something that was scary. And so many times... We don't even know about the gifts we have within us because we're afraid to take a chance.
0: Oh, that is a great statement. And you know, you had also a very positive experience. And I, it's funny because the term is called a negative split, but it's like the most positive That's way to run exactly. a race. <laughs> when you finish strong, it's just... Yeah, you can ask yourself did I leave anything out? There maybe I didn't go fast enough at the beginning, but the difference between going too fast and dying versus easing in and pushing hard at the it's end, amazing. it's just mentally and physically better. Yeah, you recover faster all of it. You are not only are you a natural runner, like there's something about you that a new runner wouldn't be able to really even understand how to just pick it up a little bit each mile. Like, you know, those are nuances that take years and years to figure out. So I I think like,
1: I mean, thank God blessed, you know? Um, yeah,
0: absolutely. And I mean, I think not only is, has it, was it shown to you that you have a gift, but you loved it.
1: I really did. I was smiling the entire time (laughs) and I still do love it. And how
0: how did it feel for you to see your kids and your husband's face at the end? Like, were they just in awe too?
1: My kids were at that. My first marathon, I feel like my kids were really little and it was really cute. They made signs and it was so much fun. Um, But the marathon I just ran recently this year was actually like amazing. They also came this was the Israel Championship Marathon, and and this was also just a crazy race. And at the end, I was like blowing kisses to them, and and they were all so happy. And afterwards, I got to give them huge hugs, like right at the finish line, and and I felt so good that I wasn't like I wasn't you know barely walking. I was like jumping and dancing with them. <laughs> so it's been amazing to well, share with this them. is.
0: Oh, what a celebration. And you know, this is what's crazy. The first marathon you did, you explained in between you had a baby, you ran a marathon while you were pregnant with that baby, then you had the baby, then you started training for real. And just now you touched on the race you just did, which is absolutely insane. Tell me if I'm right. This is what I read. Um, you ran a 242, you won the marathon, and you did a 27 minute personal best. Yes. <laughs> Those are all
1: correct.
0: Can you just do another 20? <laughs> if you just take another 27 be. minutes off, I mean, world record coming close well, here.
1: First of all, the course that I, so two things. The course I ran the previous year, I actually also, I also won that. I won. The, I was the fastest Israeli woman, but it's a really challenging course. It was the Jerusalem Marathon, and I did that course. And I did that marathon in three oh nine. So then the twenty-seven minute, you know, personal best was cutting. Also included taking out a lot of elevation, um, you know. But definitely, I wasn't planning on cutting off so much time. <laughs>
0: It's, it's just absolutely amazing. So where do you take your running from here?
1: Um, so at this so now I'm really blessed to, um, have the support of Israel to train as an Olympic candidate. Um, initially before that they announced the new Olympic standards, I really thought it was, you know, with it, I, I I definitely thought it was very doable. Like I was going to try and do another marathon and go for some, go for sub 237. And it didn't seem crazy both because I have been training until this point kind of on casually, like not, not casually, but like I also was working full time and I didn't have a lot. I didn't dedicate, I didn't reach the maximum mileage at all that I could have been and just many different things um, that could have made a difference. And at this point I'm still trying to represent Israel in the Olympics. That's my goal. But um, it's definitely going to be a lot more challenging because the guaranteed entry time is a lot lower and the ranking system is very complex. But I also feel like, you know, at the end of the day, um, it will be more worthwhile if I make it. and, And if I don't make it, then I totally accept it's part of God's plan for me also. And I got to try hard, you know
0: absolutely and I mean I think that's where we come full circle around to your faith and how it grounds you and it gives you perspective
1: yeah I every race that I uh, uh, every race I run I feel is a unique um conversation with God for me um and I think my faith is an advantage to some extent you know like you have to believe in yourself obviously and I do but I have I'm able to trust really like that God's helping me and and I say for me the way I see it is that at the end of the day running is, is a is a gift and it's it's not something that I can really fully take credit for you know everything that I have I I know God is the source of but knowing that is very empowering because I realize I have a piece of God within me which is infinite and so when you touch when you're touching infinity then you know that there are no limits to what you could achieve and that's really what what happened to me in the Tavaria Marathon. Um, the, going into that race, I really was told. My coach told me, "Like, okay, you should you should be the champion." Like, she she knew what other women were there on the course, and she knew the time that I was capable of doing. And she pretty much told me this race is in the bag. And it started out amazing. And I remember I was staying right on pace. I was running with guys from my group, and it was going. Perfectly smoothly, and I felt incredible. And um, as I was reaching the halfway point, I looked, and I see coming back on the other side another woman. She—I hadn't seen her at the star line. She wasn't on the the list of participants, and I, I recognized her as like one of as the fastest other f- female runner in Israel. Um, and she'd already done a two thirty seven marathon that year, so she was definitely like way ahead of me, and she was way ahead of me on the course. So I thought for a moment, like my heart sinks because I thought I was supposed to win that day. And there she is, she shows up. And then a second later, I just said to myself in my head, I said, God's with me every step of the way and anything is possible. And that was my mantra for the rest of the race. And I told myself, the race is not over until it's over. And I'm just gonna repeat these words and I'm gonna give it my best shot. And um, at the halfway point, Even though my coach had warned me before, like, do not go faster until 30 kilometers. I literally told the guys I was running with, I'm like, I'm just going to start going ahead a little bit. And I saw another person in front of me. So I tried to, I pushed myself to catch up to someone else to follow. And I paced myself off of him. And then I was feeling good. And I figured, what do I have to lose? And I'm repeating my mantra. God's with me every step of the way. And anything's possible. And I really, really believed it. And I kept going. And I ended up catching up to the woman, even though it was crazy because she was far ahead of me and she was going faster. And I, when I saw her, I, I saw her on, on a hill and I sped down the hill. Um, I love hills cause I live in a hilly city. <laughs> and I'm running and I reach, I end up right behind her back. And so I figured I'll just stay with her for another, um, couple of minutes. And then, no, I'll stay with her till the end. And like with a, You know, 100 meters to go, hopefully I'll have a sprint in me and I can beat her to the finish line. And it turns out after two minutes of me pacing off of her, she turned around and she said to me, like, I'm finished. This is your race. Go ahead. And she didn't want me to, like, lose any second of my time that I could. She was a really good sport. And she obviously wasn't having the best day in the end. And she encouraged me to go ahead. And I ended up just I kept I kept feeling good. So I kept going a little faster. And I finished that marathon in two hours and 42 minutes. And the second half of the marathon, I ran six minutes faster than the first. And it was a personal record for me in the half marathon on the marathon course. And oh. I really, wow. only, I really attribute it all to God. And the crazy thing is that I didn't know that two forty-two was a significant time in Israel. I had no idea of the significance, but a week later, um, the Israeli Athletic League contacted me and they said, we don't normally do this. Like we usually give the funding for athletes in September and all the allocations were made. But because you did this time of 242, we want to accept you to train as an Olympic candidate and we will give you some funding for that. And it was so crazy to me because I really had no idea. And I feel like God had a plan, you know, and we're all part of that plan in some way. We don't always know the plan. And then, if you, when you have the faith, it can really help you get through these experiences. So that's my little. <laughs> oh, I
0: love this story so much. And I mean, you really started it all by saying you believe that your faith is an advantage. And I think we all need advantages when we're up against you know, the best in the world and up against ourselves. Cause at the end of the day, you're just, you're trying to improve upon what you've already done. You know, And so let's talk about advantages for a minute and let's focus on your clothing because this is a a unique, a unique uh, part of what you do is that you race in very non traditional, like elite running gear. And this is a world I know very well from obviously having a company that makes clothing. Um, I wanted to tell you. So when I started skirt sports, it was back in 2004 and I only made like very short skirts because I was racing as a pro triathlete and, you know, I wanted things that fit with what I thought was going to be best for my performance. But my number one request was make longer skirts. And now today, if you go on our website, you will look and you will see four or five different styles of longer skirt varieties and, uh, our longer 17 inch skirt, which might not, you know, fit your requirements, although you are short. So it might, um, you know, generally lands like just above the knee for a lot of women, but that's our number one seller. So tell me more, let's talk a little bit about what you wear when you're out there, why you wear it. And you know, how it affects you. Sure.
1: Um, so I always wear, I always wear um, three quarter or long sleeves. The modest requirement for me is to cover my elbows. So uh, since it's typically warm here, I usually stick with just the three quarter sleeves. Um, I have to make sure the, the neckline is also not too low, which if you, bu- it's, it could be challenging if you're, if I'm buying, like if I'm getting a t-shirt from the regular sports companies, I actually just take I recently discovered I can take the the shirts to like a tailor, and for really cheap, she'll just fix the neckline for me. So then it's not too low, um, and I cover my hair either with a headscarf. If I'm doing like a race, then I um, I'll be I'll use a the lightest possible like bandana or um, kind of scarf that I can tie on my head, um, and that doesn't fall off. And then I also have. I actually have a wig that I wear that's super comfortable for and like looks really, it looks like my hair. So I love it. I can wear it in a pony or a bun and then uh, yeah, I'm always in a skirt that covers my knees and with leggings or shorts attached. So, I, I mean, I have, a, I've tried so many different running skirts um, and I have ones that I like for different purposes. Like some, some skirts that look good that could like transition really well from like running to looking normal. And then I have some skirt, I have skirts that are just like super light and comfortable because when I'm doing workouts in the, in the heat here, it's, it's real, it's intense.
0: Um, absolutely. So when you're racing against the other women, you know, in Israel, are they also dressed similarly?
1: No, because no, I'm the only, not everyone in Israel is, is as a modest, uh, a, 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 adherent to the traditional laws of modesty as I am um meaning in Israel also there is both you know Jews who are more observant and Jews who are less um and we're all hope as, as I really strive for love mm-hmm. and acceptance of everyone you know so for me this is this this is my own First. I know it's 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 a standard of the community I belong to but not everyone necessarily follows that and um So I definitely have a disadvantage because of my clothing, but I don't really look at it as a disadvantage because it's not something I'm ever going to change. So to me, it's just, you just work with it, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, and that's exactly what I was getting at is like, if some people, you know, you look at, uh, what the Olympic hundred meter dash runners and they don't call it the hundred meter dash anymore, do they? (laughs) hundred meter. Um, exactly. Um, but they're, you know, they're wearing these speed suits that are created in, in a tunnel, wow. you know, in a wind tunnel trying to shave off a hundredth of a, of a second. So some people may say, like, yeah, you're definitely not on the same playing field, but I love, I believe in the power of mindset. And I think that. You have so many other advantages that other people do not have. That something like a little extra fabric that's maybe catching wind here or there. I really believe there's something in the fact that you can think it away. You don't necessarily have to feel all of that, especially in a longer race like this.
1: Yeah, I don't. I I, I think my mindset's really strong. I. And I think so. From the main, the biggest difficulty is more like like I can't um, cool my body doesn't cool down as fast because I'm I have the most extra like fabric and it's not as you know always I'm not able to like let off body heat as optimally. But honestly, my whole life is not surrounding like can I shave my marathon time? Like it probably could could affect my time by like half a minute or a minute per you know possibly, but. Like at the end of the day, I'm not living my whole life to have the fastest possible marathon time. I'm, I'm living my life in a much greater, you know, like with the values that are important to me. And so it doesn't even ever come up in my mind. Like, like I'm missing this year, the world's the world championships are in, in uh, Doha and they're Friday night, the marathon. So I won't be participating in that. And, but it doesn't really disappoint me either because. It's just not something, like, it doesn't even, it's not something I'd ever um, question. So I I believe there'll be other opportunities, you know?
0: (laughs) Yes, and I love that. Well, here's the thing. When you're back in New Jersey, how often do you come back to the States?
1: Um, I I come usually at least once a year for my job, but I already came in February, and I'm really hoping that I'm going to have a chance to do Altitude training in the summer if I can get somewhere with my kids. Um, but I don't know. Come to yeah. Boulder. Come to Boulder. Um, um,
0: that would be cool. I, I, we were
1: thinking more like something in, that's closer to Israel because it's just like expensive, but we'll see. Who knows? Boulder sounds really awesome. <laughs> well,
0: I will be, I will definitely be sending you some of our long sleeve cooling technology yeah, shirts excited. and our longer skirts and you're going to have to play around in them and see what happens. Um, I have, we're going to start wrapping it up, but before we do, I have a question, kind of a greater question for you, which is what would be your message to girls and women who want to run or do sports of any cultural background who may feel like they have barriers? How do they get started?
1: Um, I think that, it's really important to focus on, on what, you, what you want, what your goals are for yourself and what you enjoy and not, not, not limit yourself by what other people are telling you or what society says or like cultivate your independence. Um, at the end of the day, like you can't be living and doing things for other people. Really, you have to be doing what you think is, is the right thing for you. And what helps you become a better person, and what feels good for you, and um, find find people that you know either if it's friends or a mentor or someone who supports you and believes in your goals and dreams that you that you want, and then you don't you don't need to think about whatever anyone else is telling you. Like what I'm doing is is honestly it's breaking the mold in certain ways in my community, but I have friends and mentor and husband that all are really supportive. And so I don't even think I I know I'm paving a path and, and I, and so many women and girls have told me that they're grateful for that. So at the end, if you keep doing, I always say like, just be you, you do you, you know? Um,
0: I love that. And yeah. So what would you, what do you want your children to think about you? Like when they're your age, when they think about their mom, what, what do you want them to I think? I just
1: want my children to think that uh, they matter, that they're the most important thing to me, and that they know that I care about them more than anything else, and that I believe that they can do whatever they want, wh- whatever is important to them, and that I want them to succeed. That's really important to me. That's at the end of the day, the, there's no one else who can replace me as a parent for my kids. Yeah. So so that's the most important thing I can give them—the love and security, and um, comfort.
0: Yes, I love that, and it comes back to just foundation, yeah, right? I
1: listen to actually when I run, I listen cool. to a lot of parenting classes from like different Jewish, um, you know, rabbis or teachers, and and because parenting is, is the hardest job we'll ever do, so it's. So lately, I've been listening about like love and affection and how important it is, and and it's not easy to always be that. But at the end of the day, when you get when you give your kids um, the the love and security and attention and affection that they need, you will create kids who are independent and go out and conquer the world, like because they know that their they they have that foundation. So that's really important to me.
0: Oh, I just love that. And, and you know what? You're right. Parenting is probably the most insecure I've ever felt in a job.
1: (laughs) Totally with you. Oh my gosh. I love that.
0: So, so let's fast forward 15, 20 years, you're running careers over. What else are you going to conquer in this life?
1: I think, I mean, I, I want to do an Ironman actually, by the way.
0: right. We can talk about that later. (laughs) That'll be your next podcast. I I just want
1: to continue empowering women and girls to, to pursue their dreams. Most, you know, in sports, I hope I continue to stay involved in the world of sports. And also obviously I've been involved in Jewish education for many years and it's something I'm really passionate about. And I see an overlap in Israel. I've been able to connect with so many Jews who, who didn't necessarily understand or appreciate the parts of Judaism that I'm very, that are very visible on me. And they, t- but like we have the running connection and so that allows them to open up to more of of their Jewish heritage. It's pretty cool. Everything coming together.
0: Yeah. Yes. And that's when magic really happens. Wow. All right, well let's um let's leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget that can help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way.
1: Um running advice just <laughs> or life.
0: Whatever you think, life, running, what whatever you think can sum up the message you want to get out there in this world. One thing
1: I tell myself is Fear holds us back. Belief propels us forward. And it's so easy to, you know, get caught up in the limitations we have currently and not do something because we're afraid of failure. And at the end of the day, what do you... Oh, I always say, what do you have to lose? If you don't give it a shot, you'll never know. So um, when you're hesitant about something... Remember that if you don't try, you don't know if it's possible and no one ever succeeds without failure. And just keep believing in yourself and putting one foot in front of the other. And there's really nothing that can stand in your way.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Perfect way to end the episode. Thanks so much for coming on today. You're amazing. Cannot wait to follow your your career.
1: Really nice to meet you. And uh, thank you so much.
0: So what do you think? New Girl Crush material, maybe? Uh, One of the reasons I do this podcast is to expand my own world, to learn more about other people's experiences, how they find joy and fulfillment. Beattie's world is certainly new to me. I don't actually have any friends who are Orthodox Jews. Now I do, but I hope my questions about some of her background didn't come off as too nosy, but... I was truly just curious, especially about things that relate to human relationships. So I can't help myself. I have to ask. Hopefully you love that about this podcast (laughs) that I so openly ask those questions because I'm not going to stop. But what I love so much about Beatty is this. Many people probably look at her faith as something that may hold her back from achieving her athletic potential. But as she sees it, she sees it as the reason she's able to find happiness and success in all things, including sports. Um, As she so succinctly puts it, fear holds us back, belief moves us forward. What do you have to lose? So I say you hold that question close, my podcast friends. What do you have to lose? by following your beliefs and your faith, Uh, for more on BD Deutsch. The first thing to do is get over to Instagram and follow her handle is marathon mother. Also, uh, check out her Facebook page. She has a presence there as well. She posts frequently with very thoughtful insights that I believe are relevant to all of us as we overcome our challenges and pursue our greatest goals. That's what it's all about. All right, everyone, that's all I have today. It's time to turn off the pod and turn on your mojo and get out there and run this world. Have a great workout and I'll see you next week.